You're listening to Consolidate That. Welcome back to Consolidate That. Ivan, good morning. I'm excited to learn some more things from our guest today. Steve is a co-founder of Vets Pets and serves as a president and CEO. Prior to starting Vets Pets, Steve worked in finance at Bank of America Securities. He received a BBA in management from University of Georgia and MBA in finance from Wake Forest University. Steve, thank you for coming. Thank you for finding the time. Glad to be here. Thanks for letting me join. So very interesting topic today. We're going to talk about different types of financing based on different sort of type of uh, seller economics. I'm very excited to dig into how the deals could be structured. So uh, just by the way of introduction, Steve, can you tell us a little more about Vets Pets, where you're at and what are sort of the goals ahead and where are you guys going? Sure. Well, we've been around for about 14 years now. We started with two practices one emergency hospital, one general practice, and we have grown over the years through acquisition, de novos, and expansion of services at our existing hospitals. We now operate, I think it's about 25 locations. Four of those are emergency specialty. The rest are GP, and then we have a couple of pet resorts as well. So our growth has been, I guess it's not linear, but about 20 to 25% growth in top line per year. And our goal is to continue to keep that growth rate for the foreseeable future. And Steve, you guys have been around for a good amount of time, right? When did you found everything? I had the foresight to get lucky to leave finance right before the market crashed. Actually, it was complete luck. And then complete unlucky to start in this industry right before the Great Recession. So yeah, we started in 2007. If we see that you run away from the veterinary thing, we're going to follow you. So we'll keep our eye on what your magic ball says. I think that's a one one and done luck there. <laughs> you used it up. Very interesting. Sort of, you told us before about different structuring of the deals and different structuring of the financing towards them. I want to dig a little bit into economics of what are the acquisition economics. So when you guys do this, what kind of deals do you structure? So a lot of you know, there's different styles right now. There's a full acquisition, hundred percent. There's partial acquisition, or some people call it a JV with a vet, which I don't think it really is. There's also the structure of the deals could be keeping the sort of percentage or rolling equity of the acquired part instead of cashing out. Are those are all the variables that you offer to the acquirers? And what are the most popular, let's say, among them these days? We do things a little bit differently. Most of the acquisitions we make are smaller practices. And typically, the veterinarian is either wanting to back off how much they're working or discontinue working entirely pretty quickly. Or maybe they've come across a stroke of bad luck and haven't been able to maybe grow to the extent they would like to. So typically, we're coming in these days and buying a practice with a veterinary partner that does not currently work there. So that might be another veterinarian that's working in another practice with us. It might be another veterinarian that we've met over time and have a good, strong feel for. So that's typically how we're doing this is is we're partnering with a a new veterinarian to go and purchase a practice. And they're going to be the lead to kind of take the practice to the next level. Oh, interesting. And and is that sort of a shared ownership that you guys get into with the, so the, if I break down in share ownership, so they own a part of the practice and then, but the financing of the deal, is it usually by you guys and they just get it as a sweat equity or is, do they contribute as well financially? They contribute. This is where it gets a little bit tricky. We borrow together. Typically I might call that sweat equity because I mean, I, 
some of our partners are well off, but we probably have deeper pockets than most of them. So if we borrow money, we're borrowing it together, co-borrowers, and we're all fully guaranteeing the loan. We do typically put some cash in on both sides, but we try to keep that pretty minimal. For a lot of our veterinary partners don't have a you know, pile of cash laying around. So that's typically how we will do it in a new venture. Okay. And then the veterinarian technically then is obviously earning just the paycheck, but working as a veterinarian, and then they own the equity in just their hospital on the, or in the entire organization? Just their hospital. Okay. Makes sense. Although we have several veterinarians that have multiple locations. So they'll have done one of these projects with us or practices and they like it and enjoy the business aspect. So we'll add on another one or two in the same tight market or close by market. And then they've got multiple practices that they have ownership in and partnered with us. You were talking about when it comes time. And, and I think the idea of finding the talent to bring to the location is a really smart idea because that's one of the things we're always talking about. There's, uh, I'll take Ivan's line, but there's more pets than vets and keeps getting worse and worse each year where people are having more and more animals there. So you have the opportunity, right, to bring in debt or have you looked at going the private equity route? How do you guys decide when you're looking to buy on going private equity versus a traditional debt model? We've deliberately not tried to raise private equity money. A lot of that has been, uh, I think they'd be interested if we get called on all the time, but I don't know if they know enough to know if they'd really be interested or not. But we're pretty long-term focused. So we don't like the idea, and maybe it would be fine, but I don't like the idea in theory of kind of fitting into a five to seven year timeline where you're growing and kind of managing for an exit. You know, our veterinary partners' loans are typically 10 years of amortization straight. So we tell our veterinary partners, you know, look, I'm not going to make you sign a 10-year contract, but you're borrowing a 10-year loan. We kind of expect this is to go into this as a 10-year, at least a 10-year agreement and probably longer. Really, we hope that we're in business together for the rest of our careers. So we really focus mostly on debt financing. That is unique because as I was looking at your LinkedIn and, and some of your background, that was really interesting to see how long you've been in the space. It's different. A lot of our, a lot of the people that we have on the show have been with their groups for three years, two years, just starting. So it is neat to chat with someone that's been in a, in a similar space for a good amount of time. Well, I think that the key behind here, and this this is what's interesting, is because a lot of these uh, consolidators, the younger consolidators right now, especially backed by PE, because PE thesis is to turn the capital around pretty quickly. And then that's why, you know, the promise of a long-term partnership is not really happening there. And that's what we've been sort of looking at. And then you truly can present that as your thesis because you have a completely different structure. Did you find that closing some of these deals and partnering up with the veterinarians actually helped because you explained this concept? Or do veterinarians now understand that this is a private equity borrowed money, this is the debt, and then therefore there is truly long-term partnership or or you find that veterinarians are still sort of not very fluent on the topic? As far as veterinarians selling their practice? Oh, oh, well, mostly probably buying with you because, you know, what, what we find sometimes gets sort of a gotcha kind of effect is that when someone is selling partially their practice to a private equity backed partner, they're 
they would say that it's for long term and you know we're partnering up we want to build the future and then in three years they recap they exit get get their money and then everything changes even if these guys truly didn't change anything it will change everything with the new owner so that's what sort of is happening and do you find that the vets can actually parse the difference when you explain it to them yeah they're extremely i don't want to generalize but as a whole extremely intelligent individuals and profession um, they know what's going on, and uh, it's a very frequent question I get asked: Who owns the company, and what are your plans? So very frequently, I get veterinarians, you know, asking, "Are you going to just go sell in five years or three years?" Because really, our target partner—that's not what they want. They want the good partnership with us, and we go, you know, we meet a lot that after getting to know each other, it's not the right fit. You know, they do want to quit, flip, and make some money in five years, or they don't feel they need us; they can do it on their own, and those are all legitimate you know, other avenues they can take. And we've been fortunate enough to find some really good partners that see eye to eye with us. And you know, we've been doing this for five years now with partners and the majority of our hospitals have partners. It's gone really well. It's been a really nice relationship. We get them together. We're kind of in a smaller geographical area. So we have partner meetings. We have uh, partner development initiatives where we have monthly Zooms based on some management books to try to learn from each other and and be more professional in the way we approach business and our people. Interesting. And so I assume that your model evolved a little bit in the 14 years, right? This sort of partnership, as you said, five years. So what was it at the beginning and how do you transform in this? And where do you find benefits of partnering rather than the way you were running it before? Yeah, we started purchasing them outright. Like, uh, like the, the, I guess the traditional consolidator model. We did fine, although probably, uh, I guess I would say we struggled a little bit. We probably bought practices that needed more work than we were expecting. I mean, it's management intensive, especially if you only buy a few and you don't have a leader veterinarian remaining on to help you push forward. We found ourselves struggling to recruit. We found ourselves with some practices that were underperforming. And then we actually had our first partners approach us. And say, hey, you know, we've heard about you. We've met some, some mutual colleagues. Would you be interested in doing a partnership? And we considered ourselves to be fairly flexible. So that's when we evaluated the opportunity with them and we ended up partnering with them and it went really well. And then we recruited another veterinarian for a hard to place location, kind of dangling this partnership model with her. And she uh, ended up not liking that location, but liked the model. And so she said, hey, here's where I'd like to live. Would you consider looking for a practice in this area? And then we said, sure. So then we went to that area and we looked for both the Novos and acquisitions and we found an acquisition and bought it together. And then after doing that, we realized, well, if we're doing this for business development and growth initiatives, it's only fair that we would go to some of our existing leaders that are at practices we own wholly and offer them the opportunity to partner. And we did that. And then we found two or three of our existing veterinarians were interested. So they bought into the existing practices. And then other practices we wholly owned as we started to recruit we started to recruit veterinarians with the eye of them. Not, they didn't have to want to be a partner, but it was working well for us. So if we found somebody, we tended to find veterinarians interested in partnering in existing practices. So it's kind of how it's evolved. You know, the, a little bit of the tough part is valuation. We intend for our partners to be able to use their proportional ownership to pay off their loan. And to do that, it kind of caps the value you can put on it. You know, if, you, if you're going to pay out over 10 years, you can only price it so high so that they don't have to go into their personal income. So that's another reason why it may not be as attractive 
to the sponsor world or the private equity world because it's, there's kind of a ceiling on the price if you're going to if you're going to continue to hold that philosophy that you know they're going to be able to pay off a loan in 10 years and not have to go into the personal it's pretty cool the way that you're speaking about it. It's it's different than a lot of stuff that we've heard. And one of the things that I liked on your website, which is the vetspets.com. I always like to give people a plug. But I thought it was really neat. There's a lot of the traditional websites and consolidation, a lot of the groups talk about people first and, and all of that. But I think you guys are maybe one of the first that I've come across that really highlights the word entrepreneur, which is exactly what these veterinarians are getting into and in the joint venture space. I I think that's pretty neat to be able to be candid about some of the business language around veterinary consolidation or veterinary partnerships. It's not something that's normally seen out there. And I think that's a really cool differentiator for what you guys have. Appreciate that. We think so too. There are certainly challenges and negatives to it. And if if you want a traditional private equity type of um, growth, Pretty hard to do. You know, we, we're fairly, we don't have a stamp, don't do the things the same way every place. It takes time to create value versus buy it. We don't grow as quickly as they do. So we're probably limited in the size we would ever get, but we're okay with that. We'd rather be hopefully as great operators as we can be, you know, grow at a nice clip, but be able to operate the way we want to operate. That makes sense. And and you mentioned uh, one thing about building versus buying. So did you guys dabble in trying to start de novos? And what does that look like? And where like did you find the difference, one better than the other, or they're just a part of a overall structure for you? Yeah, we've done several. Let's see, one, two, three, say kind of five-ish de novos. They've all been different. The obvious benefit is you have no legacy culture. You get to create it from the start. That's, that's really nice. And, you know, a lot of times I don't have a strong preference. Uh, they're both good. The way we've approached it now is when we find a veterinarian we feel like we want to partner with, you know, we will evaluate both. We're doing that right. We're doing this right now. You know, we've, we've approached practices to acquire. We've also been looking at spaces to do a de novo. And through that process, our veterinary partners working with us in that process and learning the differences between both. And they have a preference. I think he prefers to do the de novo after seeing kind of what can come from an acquisition. So in today's market, I think you could be successful in either one just because the demand for our services is so high. There's pros and cons to both. And the economics behind de novo, from what I understand, are a little better, even though you're starting fresh. But then, A, you're not getting this legacy culture and you establish your own. And then uh, also you're sort of, you know, you're out of pocket, not a couple million dollars for a practice, but you're, you know, anywhere between 250 and three, 400 to start the new one. That's right. It's gotten more expensive. Construction costs are outrageous. You know, our de novos typically run about a half a million to fit up a lease space around 2,500 square feet in a storefront. And then, you know, you got a lease on top of that. But you're right, the upfront capital, you know, half a million dollars typically. And then operating losses will vary depending on how quickly you ramp and the salary commands or needs of the veterinarian. You know, if you're buying a practice, and you all probably know what multiples look like these days. I mean, if you're buying a large practice, I mean, you might, you're, you're probably paying two times sales or close to it. And that's a, it's actually can be fine so long as it continues to grow, but it's just, it's a whole lot more capital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 
by finding the talent before finding the location, you sort of flip that around a little bit, which is unique. It's it's similar to some of the things we've seen with some of the franchise models that we've spoken to that are doing pure de novo. It's a cool way to look at it. And I think it's an interesting idea for everyone that listens to to look at that. We always talk about the consolidation is a aqua hire or a talent acquisition and you're acquiring the talent and partnering with them. So that's that's a really cool idea. We I know we're we're getting close on our time. So I want to ask you one question and then ask some of our normal questions here. But where would you put your long-term focus? You guys have been together and doing this for quite a few years. Where do you see the Vets Pets five years from now? And where do you want to see it even beyond that? We want to continue the growth trajectory of a 20 to 25% annual sales growth indefinitely. So 10 years like that. How that looks, and that's just so far out. You know, having been in this 14 years to be able to say it's going to look like A, B, or C is is pretty difficult. You know, we try to be nimble to respond to market opportunities and market demands, but that growth rate, we've been able to do that. So we think that that's an achievable growth rate. Our big focus, though, is really to be able to grow operational initiatives that will help our existing practices improve at a rate greater than we are growing exterior. So we, we want to grow what we've got quicker than we're growing by acquisition or startup. So we don't want to just move on to the next deal. We want to grow the foundation. We're really seeing importance of that. And our big focus is on people development, like everybody, and then also a client experience. So those are our two big focuses now. And I know that you mentioned that you're targeting sales growth, but that obviously depends on the expenses you run with it. Just like you said, the, you know, the acquisitions would probably, you know, require capital expenditure and then technically you would grow sales, but the same store sort of purchases is what you're looking at. So just maybe a quick question before we round up. What are those areas that you guys are focusing on to exploit, especially when you're starting sort of a practice? What are those theses, like one, two, three, or maybe four things that you're thinking, we're good at this? Maybe it's a COGS management, maybe it's maximizing efficiency in the front. Are there any sort of golden nuggets that you're looking for in a practice when you're buying it? They're synergistic to your thesis, or is this sort of a little bit of everything? It's a little bit of everything. I wish we found a silver bullet that we could just go in and flip a switch and tweak some margin on cost or apply some lean principles and gain efficiency. You know, we have incremental benefit in those areas, but I think really uh, probably what our biggest benefit is, is being closer geographically, we can leverage our management a little bit easier than if you, I think maybe not, but for us, it works well to leverage management across sites and share ideas and resources. And then also there are some strategic areas. So again, being close, if you have a practice that's slower, you know, you could probably close for a day and then you know transfer phones over to another close location so long as they're friendly, which ours typically are, and, and move the business so that you're not technically closed. So you can share resources in that way. Or if you're very busy at one location and your capacity constrained, you can do the same thing. You know, you can start to move clients over to another location that's nearby. So it allows you to, to maybe leverage some assets outside of existing four walls of one practice. It makes sense. Well, we ran through 20 minutes pretty quickly. So that's usually what we promise to to our listeners. We always ask two questions at the end. They're pretty similar. So is there a book that you read or maybe a YouTube video or something that you would recommend to our listeners to kind of tap into into your wisdom and how did you get there? Is there any book that you would recommend? There's several. They all are similar. The one I thought of is The Shoe Dog 
which is Phil Knight's, I don't know if I call it a biography, but it's a summary of his journey in Nike, you know, from startup to, I think from startup to going public and talk about some resilience and dealing with just whatever comes your way. I mean, it's an amazing story. So that's what I gained from that book. It's an easy read and quite enjoyable. Yeah, that is a good one. The final question, who would you like to recommend as an interesting guest on the show with us? I'd recommend Mike Cooper with Shore Capital. I think he was the partner that led the financing for both Southern Bet Partners. And I think it was Midwestern. Now it's Mission Bet Partners. Been tremendously, tremendously successful. If he'd be willing to come on or interested, I would enjoy listening to I mean, I've met him. He's a great guy. I met him very early on in this journey. So I'd love to hear what all they've done and how they approach these things. He's on the opposite side of the spectrum. And they've, they've grown two platforms to very large size and have very good reputation. Fantastic. Well, as always, you know, thank you. We always enjoy having guests and, and people that can bring different views for us. Ivan, thank you as well. Thank you for joining us. And <laughs> thank you for everyone appreciate for listening. It. Yeah. Thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time. Enjoy talking to you all. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to Consolidate That. If you want to hear our new episodes, please find us on any podcast platform. Also, you can learn more about us on our website at vetintegrations.com.